0: I listened to a podcast for uh that recapped episodes of the television show Riverdale, like the new one. Okay. Uh, for years, and I still have never seen an episode of Riverdale.
1: <laughs> Why did you listen to the podcast? It was
0: like a sidecast of a podcast I was listening to, and they were like, Oh, we're recapping Riverdale, and they're just funny enough to where I was like, and it's like a ridiculous show. I mean, I, I hear. Um, <laughs>
1: because i've never seen it but you know everything about it
0: well it's yeah i mean there's like serial killers there's like fantasy stuff comes into play like isn't
1: this based on like an archie comic or something like yeah,
0: that? yeah yeah it is based on the archie comic
1: and there's serial killers in fantasy
0: yeah it's a bonkers show from what i hear and it's just it was entertaining enough to to do that so i I forgot how we got started on this.
1: Well, we were talking about uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, oh, and right. yeah. it's a accompanying rewatch podcast to boldly Watch, produced by Good Time Society, hosted by myself, Becca Scott, and Xander Sean Array.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, it started out with some cross promotion. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: it, it started out with you uh, talking about how much you like rewatching Star Trek, but not listening to my podcast, and <laughs> though I've pitched it to you several times. And then you mentioned another podcast you listen to where you don't watch the TV show, which made me feel even better. What are the things of mine do you like but don't participate in?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I like, um, I like that you make food, but I would never put it in my mouth. You know? uh, that being said, I uh, ate a bunch of food I'd never seen before. I just blindly put it in my mouth uh, from other people, so... It was about very trusting.
1: Yeah. Uh, do you want to plug this podcast or not? No. Oh, God. <laughs> you listened for years and you yeah. won't plug it?
0: All right. It's uh, it's page seven on the last podcast network. Okay.
2: Page seven. Ooh, nice. I'm Here a big page last seven.
0: podcast on the left fan and all their accompanying shows. Mm-hmm. And page seven is their like... Um, so
1: they don't need us.
0: No, they don't. That's yeah. why I didn't need to plug it.
2: Yeah, they no. don't need the promotion. But I do want to say that one of the most exciting afternoons of my life uh i visited portland i visited you sam and we were driving down the street in downtown portland and i saw somebody walking on the sidewalk that had a last podcast on the left Mm t-shirt and i shouted out the window at them and they were like yeah it was like (laughs) last pod it's fun it's a movement yeah so if you haven't heard of that go check out (laughs) (laughs) last podcast on the left on the last pod network
1: Yeah, they sponsored this
2: episode, actually. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this sponsored
0: episode about, and this might be our most niche episode we've ever done, right? It is? It is literally about, like, how does it feel to play in a tournament versus how does it feel to not play in a tournament about a specific board game where there's been
2: three tournaments? Like you're in a cult, which actually, if you're interested in cults. Last I have a great podcast the- for
1: <laughs> 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 I don't know if I would pitch the episode quite that way. I'm just, I think what, what what I'd love to talk about, especially given the fact that you two have both played your tournament games this weekend, and so it's fresh in your mind, is the difference is actually about theory crafting root, like we do every week when we talk on this podcast, and just talking about root or you know typing about it in Discord versus playing the game. And within playing the game, you know, all the circumstances that might include, which is a tournament or uh, a competitive game with your friends or a tournament with an audience, an audience that has opinions that type them out frequently. You know, yeah, I'd love to explore, you know, that aspect of the game, because I think it affects all of our play. And I think the three of us can testify to that, because I feel like all of us have been uh, rethinking our tournament games and be like, why did we make those moves when we know so much better about all the advice we've been trying to give people? Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've. I have recently been on both sides of this very (laughs) hard. So I feel very prepared to have this conversation.
1: Great,
2: great.
0: Yeah. But in the meantime, folks, we are not talking about Riverdale. We are talking about (laughs) some
2: root news.
0: There was a development stream today on Leader Games Twitch. And when I asked on the Discord, Hey, anything new? Uh anything interesting from the design stream? Um I didn't get anything. <laughs> the news is you were ignored? Uh yeah. I think like the main news <laughs> is that the Marauder expansion is so close to being <laughs> at our doors.
1: Uh, we did that last week. We literally said it's close, guys. But can you feel it? It's a little closer <laughs> than it was. You know what I mean? <laughs> it feels closer we need so to get a different we need to get a few different beat reporters out there because if <laughs> our news is no one answered my questions i've been gotta... working a lot all right no one answered my questions you could just
0: not say this <laughs> i am a journalist sir our
2: boats are out there they're getting closer mm-hmm. Hearing the theme from Titanic playing in my head right now in a positive way. I... That boat sank, Kyle. We need this boat to make
1: port. <laughs> Women and children
2: in Root Expansions only.
0: <laughs> Just seeing a copy of Marauders fall off the back and hit the propeller before it hits the water. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, someone on board crafts eerie emigre, and then someone across from them says, gentlemen, it's been an honor playing with you.
0: (laughs) So, uh, not too much on the, uh, development front, but once I get my hands on those pieces, you guys, it's going to be all root all the time. Uh, I will be flying to New York, uh, in early April, Kyle, so I guess I'm going to have to bring multiple boxes of root on my check-in luggage.
2: Yeah, you're going to have to, because I still... Don't have a physical copy. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. the game that I love so much. That's right. And you won't. I'm not going to get it for you. All
1: yeah, right, here I, we go. I think it would be too easy if we gave it to you. Yeah. It's not an interesting enough tale. Yeah. You kind of need to go on an adventure or it's something.
0: It's the arc of the podcast.
1: You need you know? to go to Patrick Leader's house and give him a card. And he will <laughs> yeah. give you.
0: Yeah, Garrick knows where he lives. You can, yeah. Ask you can Garrick him. for his coordinates. All right. So let's get
2: into this. Tournament recap. Um, not gonna lie, you guys, I did not prepare most of the other games because I played my tournament game this weekend.
1: But you know what? Let's just talk about your two games. I think there's enough meat in, in that uh dinner for us to be satiated.
0: Yeah, sorry to all the participants who also played this weekend, but
1: uh, we are being selfish and only talking about our own games <laughs> yeah we're thinking about ourselves right now yeah uh but the uh i will say uh the other two games were really great i remember one additional game which was a fantastic moles game that came out of it so that was on that was sunday, the one before mine on sunday right i believe so yeah. yeah the sunday morning game but let's talk about your guys's game kyle do we want to talk about your experience first sure yeah yeah so i commentated this game where i was in the discord channel when you guys were in the pre-game and there was a little bit of joking about like well kyle there's a meta here which is that you're gonna choose woodland alliance so should we go on the winter map and there was some joshing and joking and stuff like that because the alliance are notoriously not good on the winter map and that was the most i had heard of it and then we started getting ready for the stream and lo and behold someone chose the winter map and kyle had first pick and chose the Woodland Alliance. <laughs> I love this tenaciousness from you.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was essentially like a spite pick. Yeah, yeah. Just because it, it seemed fun, and I was a little bit like, I was tilted from the minute one of this game. Oh, no! And then the the rest of the experience of the game was like, pretty tilting until at the end i was upside down it was no good i don't know if tilt is a niche term but for those of you that don't know i guess how would you define tilt it's just like uh, i would say like emotionally affected sure during decision making yeah yeah
1: the The pressures hit you in a way where you're not making the your ideological decisions because you're
2: either frustrated exactly or, yeah. yeah the like optimal choices were available and i went away from them because i was clouded passion took over yeah
0: really uh yeah because i i watched the, the you know the playback of this one and it was really cute to see uh garrick and jake commentate together i loved it <laughs> so much um shout out to garrick great great commentator and doing a great job hosting that tournament yeah it's so funny yeah your guys's energy together is hilarious <laughs> I, I, I want all the streams to be jake and garrick streams. <laughs> um and but yeah there was a lot of questions about what what you were planning kyle and what went into your decisions and you're telling us that you were just uh oh i was just reacting and kind of mad okay uh what tilted you what yeah what was the initial thing that made you mad
2: i felt like it was unfair that i was being targeted before anything had happened yeah Mm. we didn't even have the like any decisions had been made, and I felt like I was a target already, mm-hmm. and I was mad. <laughs> That's why I brought it up because
1: I thought that might have been part of it. But like I, when I was in there, I took it to have the same conversation that I've had in both of my games, which is mostly people joking about throwing me uh, off. But I don't think I have the same reputation you have in terms of skill, where you've actually experienced real people targeting you in games before, especially in digital.
2: It's it's happened like more than seems right i'm Mm. gonna be honest Mm -hmm. like again like i know this is the point where i lament being a public figure and (laughs) like (laughs) i don't want to make this seem like it's a bigger deal than it is but to be fair like it affected me in the moment and i'm like not gonna lie about that that's just where i was at yeah and i think that's like kind of a part of the pressure of being in that situation and i think i just regret that i let it get to me and didn't Go with my original plan, which is literally to go with a different faction. Like I had prepared a different faction for this game, and it was available, and I didn't pick it. So and
0: you didn't pick it because you're like, "Oh, I'll show you Woodland Alliance on the Winter Map." Was that was what was going through your head?
2: Well, I, I actually kind of had this feeling. I was just like, "Well, I'm going to be targeted anyway, so I might as well pick a faction that I'm comfortable with and that I know mm. I can be resilient with and not take uh, a risk." Yeah. So that if I'm going to get targeted, like I at least know like how to fight back, or I feel comfortable in that zone. So it was actually kind of a defensive pick for me Mm -hmm. in that sense. Like, I see almost psychologically defensive, I would say. Uh, That makes sense. Yeah. Go with Um, what you're comfortable with a little bit. Yeah. And so when I was like feeling the heat and I went with a safe pick for me, like one that I'd practiced a lot instead of one that I had been like revving up for throughout the week. Right. And, um, yeah, it just, like, didn't go very well. So, to give you some context, on the Winter map, I went with the Woodland Alliance and then deployed my initial sympathy, just basically, like, where I'd got the supporters to start. And it was right next to a warlord who had uh, gone for a jubilant opening, yeah. sending mobs all around the area, which mm-hmm. meant that all that sympathy got totally erased, like, right away.
1: Was that, so, were you aware of that? Because they, did they take a turn ahead of you? Yeah. Yeah.
2: It was last in turn order. Did you, were you, was your judgment clouded or were you, you knew that was going to happen and you wanted the outrage anyway? Um, I wanted a base as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the supporters that I started with and the map layout meant that I had to go for that side of the board to get yeah. the early base. Otherwise, I would have had to put one sympathy down in a clearing with a badger in it. And I knew it would have been battled away. Yeah. And I felt like that was too slow of a start to like ever be competitive. So I felt like, let's just follow the supporters just follow the RNG where it leads but you were
1: a victim of the winter map and your positioning which puts you way on the east side didn't have a lot of like clearings adjacent to you so you were kind of hamstrung from the beginning and then that just you couldn't roll out I was so sympathetic to you
2: it's true yeah the the initial base placement was and you've experienced this too Jake where it's like when you get a bad clearing in the winter map it's like you're in prison The alliance.
1: I made this exact same mistake up in the northwest corner up there, and I was just stranded, and I just suffered the whole game and didn't talk to anybody, and no one gave me sympathy.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it was that kind of game for me as well. And uh, if you watch the VOD, like the Woodland Alliance turns are like less than a minute.
0: Well, you're a fast player too. And uh, what I didn't realize is that these turns are being like recorded now. Like, like how long? each faction yeah. takes on their turn or whatever. Like they're, 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 they're getting a lot of data out of these tournament games. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so I think Kyle, I, I bet you're near the top of the list in fastest turns in the whole tournament.
2: <laughs> you know, I appreciate that. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I do. I've crunched through so many games with these factions that like the routines are pretty down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I would say this game got, Really interesting around its midpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a game with Warlord, Badgers, uh, with an alliance and lizards, which I think is a kind of an interesting mix. It means that there's really only one like mega red faction and two like super duper insurgents, and then the Badgers have to play more of like a fighty role in that mix. So early on, the Badgers had like a nice advantage, a lot of board space, able to get the, the early relic position everything just where they want it and the board got spooked like right away Mm -hmm. we were like oh this is kind of too good for them Mm -hmm. and so warlord marched out and just just like smashed face Now, i want
1: to i want to say real quick there was a little bit of meta with this badger player too because this wasn't just any person either this was nitro rev who you know was the person who made the badger guide that we've (laughs) been (laughs) uh talking about on this very podcast so they had a little bit of uh
2: heat on them as well and that was that was known to the group very much so and well you could tell that like from the play how confident and sort of methodical (laughs) it was yeah i think that spooked the table a little bit um because we were like oh we're dealing with a very capable badgers player here who is going to win the game if we don't do anything about it Mm -hmm.
0: and i i don't know if nitro rev was really served by that tone too because it felt a little bit like a guide tone where like nitro is like explaining his moves and in, in very like key detail and like look at what i'm doing where it's like some of it you want to just keep you know even keeled you know like yeah. what i'm doing is not significant in any way you know or or something like that so um, i
2: will say if you're curious about the badgers as a faction and want to see it played at yeah. a really high level that is a great game to watch to yeah. get some like badgers tips especially in that opening sequence i thought that Nitro Rev's first couple of turns were so optimized. It was like yeah. Yeah, really cool to watch. He's got that puzzle solved
0: real mm-hmm. well
1: in his head. Absolutely.
0: And I know there's a couple like conflicting uh, badger strategies that are kind of going out there right now, but uh, Nitro Rev seems to understand the brand of his strategy
2: very well. Very balanced, really just trying to do the migration, like wave across the map, like clear out those relics early Make sure that you have that mobility available. I really like his style of play a lot. I thought it works, it was working well.
1: This is a game, too, where I thought starting placement really defined a lot of that game. Because he started way to the west by himself. Yep. So yeah. he had plenty of time to come on over, get all the relics on the way. Granted, the Lord of the Hundreds ran over real quick all the way from the far southeast side. So they did start to clash pretty quickly. But he kind of had free reign to get what he needed there and then slowly work his way over with
2: resistance from you guys in the second half. True. I will say as like a general principle on the winter map, it's a a very kind of bisected map. There's two choke points in the north and south and it's a very like, you get sequestered on the left or the right side of the board pretty easily. The factions that break out of their kind of starting half, I feel like tend to do very well on winter map. Mm. If you can project your kind of faction's power across to the other half of the board that usually you're doing really well. And I saw in the, in that game, the Alliance is not able to do that. And that was definitely a signal that it wasn't going well. Yeah. Um, but we should shout out uh, Fletch as well for playing a really nice lizards game. Just yeah, trying absolutely. To, like, actually, actually I, I thought that Fletch's ideas were really interesting. He was kind of taking up that Northern strip there that that's based mm-hmm. along the top, which is perfect lizards territory, right? Double build slots, all that. But the effect it had is it actually forced Badgers and Warlord to kind of fight over a reduced area of the map and entangled them more quickly. So as a Lizards player, I thought that was an interesting way to try and get the game to slow down. Man, I'll tell you what. Being
0: Lizards next to the Woodland Alliance and the Warlord is terrifying. (laughs) That is that, I mean, yeah, Fletch did incredible under those circumstances because, like, I straight up wouldn't even choose Lizards in with that faction mix because I think I'd just be too afraid of getting my gardens burned down or my whole
1: clearing blown up. And it happened. And um, Bigfoot, yep. who was our fourth player who played the Lord of the Hundreds, actually I thought was the favorite to win from, like, pretty much, like, I think the first 45 minutes after was, like, he took a runaway lead and just, like, made such a dominant position and hamstrung the badgers in a way that it didn't seem like the badgers were going to easily recover from that at that point. And Kyle was virtually immobile because of positioning. Mm -hmm. So the lizards aren't known for, uh, you know, counteracting a Lord of the hundreds super well. So, it was kind of Bigfoot's game to lose in some way at that point, but so much table talk occurred at that point. And so, we'll get into this later in the episode, but I would love to like start to I like theorize Kyle what you do in that situation because this isn't going to be the last time the meta is going to hurt you. Like you're going to play again against people who probably are going to be biased against you,
2: and we have to figure out how to deal with that. So, in this game, what what I f- ended up focusing on as part of the gameplay is like, okay, so my options on the board itself are pretty limited. So that means that the only sphere available to me is the tabletop sphere. And so I spent the rest of that game being uh, like a diplomat advisor, I would say. Just trying to like, not be too intrusive exactly, but to identify those moments where if somebody makes a certain decision, it keeps the game alive long enough that maybe I can start to break out or like keep it going long enough like stretch the game out that ended up being the only viable path to victory for the alliance long odds but that was the only sphere available to me so table talking I, was a big part of that game
0: i think you did a, an excellent job in the later half of the game picking your moments and saying the right things i think that something about you kyle when you raise a concern especially when you don't have a clear shot then people listen you know yes. what i mean like cuz you're very wise and you're not like in first or second place so it's easy to listen to you uh but i think in the early part of the game i think yeah you were a little like shut down socially too and not like that they shut you down but i think you shut yourself down socially a little bit um taking quick turns and just you know passing it off but yeah i think in the later half of the game you did a good job of trying to give yourself a window
1: What's so true about what uh Sam said is that like you ha- we have you have a lot of we have a lot of trust in you because you talk so infrequently about those things. So when you speak, we listen. And that happened a lot of times in this game. But I think this is a situation where I would pitch that you get much more talkative and you don't wait for your moment as much. And I wonder if you had been a little bit more like you guys got to get me in the game to stop so and so and been a, like maybe even a little borderline aggressive and like trying to get them to help you get present. I don't know if it would have changed the outcome because you were pretty hamstrung, but it might've given you a little bit more leverage to get on the table in some way. I'm wondering when do we switch up those tactics because your style is to not do that in general.
2: Yeah, that's true. I I didn't have a lot of faith that that type of tactic was going to work in this setting. It's
0: hard to believe the Alliance. It's not like
2: the Alliance can
0: do a lot to help the table and Getting them t- right. to a competitive spot is very
1: dangerous. But they were never. But he was never at that point.
2: Tactically, there was like one moment where it almost was gonna work, <laughs> but the outcast was wrong. Yeah, yeah. And Dang. it's never good when your game hinges on the outcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no,
1: that's the other part. Is like your factions that you're dealing with aren't in a really great position to help you.
2: Unfortunately. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was a lot of, um, insurgent immobility. Mm-hmm. It was a big factor in that game. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely think that trying to play a more active social game early on may have opened a window when the door was locked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just want to shout out really quick, Bigfoot, That very close to the end, had maybe how don't like this winning sequence like it was pretty murky it was pretty tough to calculate it was at the end of a tournament game and this is a factor that we should maybe bring up as well is that like late game fuzzy brain is a it's the hardest part dire affliction in oh yeah games of root when you're pushing hour three
0: and you know stream is watching and you're like I don't know if it's possible but somebody probably has figured it out you know and then it's really frustrating thinking like Oh, does everybody know? And you don't want to take a bunch of time. You know, you don't want to just be like, everybody shut up while I see if I can win the
1: game. You know, Sam, like... you're describing all the topics that we're going to discuss. <laughs> OK, sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, no, it's great. It's perfect. You just summarized. It's all those all problems those are all valid yeah. because you're worried all the time. And it's like, well, it's still supposed to be a game. But yeah. Oh, I panicking. got a lot to say on what you just said. <laughs> well, let's move on then. Let's talk about your game, Sam. Well, who won? Who won? Oh, who won in Kyle's game? That's a very good point. Uh, the Badgers, played by Nitro Rev, pulled it out. And I will say, it really, like, Bigfoot was in a great position, and right when we started the bet, then he, like, rolled, like, 0 or something crazy <laughs> on a battle, or the Badgers beat him down or something. I can't remember. It was awful, and, like, the odds rapidly changed for the hundreds. <laughs> I remember that, that, yeah. But still, Bigfoot put in a great effort and really did some great rampaging, and eventually lavished at the last minute the bag away to... Uh, be able to do some relentless action and really got close i think like in the 28 ranges from memory and then badgers managed to close it out
2: wow yeah really really skillful all around i would say a pretty high level game of root yeah and just you know fun people to play with absolutely uh, it was a good
1: experience really great group good game and i will post links to both kyle's game and sam's game in the
2: description of the pod all right so sam you played on sunday Tell us about your game. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. What uh, was the faction e- mix?
0: So I just want to remind everybody that my first game of this tournament was me thinking I was in control with a double build Erie, and then Walruslaw flipped 12 points or 15 points or whatever to win as the Crows, okay? That's what I was going into this game. I had a lot to make up socially, Okay. I had let the impossible happen, and so I knew I needed to play a solid game, and I wanted to be competitive, and I, I mean, I was playing for my tournament life, uh, so I, you know, I had to do what worked. Here were the factions in the mix. So you felt pressure? Oh, so much pressure, and and we're gonna talk about this uh, when it comes to like preparation. But I had too much caffeine that morning, which <laughs> made my nerves a little shot. Like I was very shaky for a lot of that game, and I get a little shaky when I play on stream. It's just nerve-wracking,
2: yeah. especially yeah. like
0: when it's like we do the podcast, you know? So it's just like more than like I'm worried about being targeted, I feel like I'm worried about losing credibility? Credibility, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um and so I I feel like that I think that's what's different about Kyle and I. I feel like Kyle has credibility no matter how the game goes. Um, but he might get targeted as a result. And I feel like every, I just feel like I got to prove myself every time. Oh. Um, uh, but anyway, so here are the faction mix. It was <laughs> moles, birds, badgers, adventurer, and cats. That was the draft. That was the draft. And what was your pick? Your third? I was I was uh, in the fourth seat, so I got the first choice of faction and went fourth. And I chose moles. Um I just kind of thought with that faction mix there was going to be a lot of warriors mm-hmm. <laughs> on the board mm-hmm. and I didn't want to get into the land race so I yeah. thought I could probably turtle up I didn't want to put buildings on the board I had I so also like how my tournament picks have gone is like the first tournament game I ever played I chose the vagabond cuz I I think it's it was the best faction and this was before Despot Infamy was tournament rule right uh and then i did otters which at that time felt like the second best faction and then i played moles and then i i've played birds a few times and i keep losing my tournament games as birds so i went back to moles (laughs) okay so i was going down the list and i was like this is for my tournament life i'm going back up to moles so that that was my thinking in the choice Mm -hmm. cats were not selected i didn't think anyone was choosing
1: cats this was mountain map by the way right did we mention that
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. They chose Mountain Map, which I thought was fine. You know, Lost City and all that. That was going to be fun. And then a uh, couple people in this game. We had Friend, who played the Badgers. Mark played the Adventurer. And Gingerbread Man was the Eerie. Um, Gingerbread Man, uh, this was his first game on Tabletop Simulator. Welcome. And it was it was great. He was great in the game. Great, I sport. think also
1: his first game with the expansion. There was a lot, right? Yeah,
0: there was a lot new for him, mm-hmm. and so like it was fun to like be playing the game. And he's like, "Wait, you could mayor brigadier, <laughs> you know?" And I was like, "Uh oh, no, 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 Like,
1: did you, you pitch know, the pod?
0: <laughs> I don't, and I didn't want to talk about the pod. <laughs> But yeah, I was I was uh, you know when when there's a newer player, like I'm like oh I have to take on a lot of responsibility in this game. I and I did. I ended up having to not do turtle moles. That was not going to win me the game because the eerie, the new player, uh, gingerbread man went double build, so he wasn't going to be doing any battling. Wow! And then we had adventurer with Despot Infamy, which is one of the more you know passive vagabonds So I was like it was up to me To stop the badgers
1: Yeah because the badgers are going to roam all over that If the birds aren't aggressive right And double right. build is not super aggressive Right I mean it's ag-
0: aggressive in terms of land But right. um, they weren't Taking badgers off the board Mm-hmm. I had to do that. Um, So the game progressed at a pretty good pace. The Badgers were killing it. I mean, Double Build Erie got a ton of points, but we all were like, all right, so how are they going to do the turmoil?
1: You didn't smash into Citadels and start making an army. You went small
0: mole, right? Yeah, I did go small mole. Yeah, and I heard the commentary where it was like, should I have put Citadels out? But I was really trying to limit liability.
1: You did that pretty well, man. You didn't put buildings on until like halfway through, I felt like. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: wanted to get a a, a lord and then a, a, a phony lord before <laughs> I put on a building, you know, uh, so that my, my stuff would be protected. But yeah, there was an early time where I dug and took out two way stations and a relic. Yeah. From the badgers. That was amazing and it was it was way riskier than i thought because i had forgotten about (laughs) the armored knights or whatever that ability is yeah yeah
1: Um, the ability for them to
2: soak an additional hit the badgers that is if they have a relic in the uh clearing right right yeah yeah. They, uh, they fight with a frenzy because they're defending their relic or something like that. Mm-hmm. Devout Knights is what it's called.
0: Yeah, and uh, so I just kind of got a little lucky on that. But, yeah. you know, it's a tournament game. You got to make a gambit, and it wouldn't have been my last gambit I would do
1: this game. That was super important that you did that because you hamstrung the Badgers from probably taking it away pretty quickly, honestly, right? Oh, they
0: were going to recover that next year, no doubt. Yeah.
1: yeah, well, and they were going to keep moving with all that stuff, but you wiped them. You wiped two Badgers and three pieces of cardboard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it was a nice four-point swing. I mean, Mm -hmm. what the people didn't know is that we had just done our versus moles guide. Yes. So, like, there was a lot on my mind (laughs) about, like, oh, I got to find some extra points, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, that's a four-point clearing. Like, that's... That might be worth my turn to do. And Badgers seemed like the optimal threat at the time. So,
1: Well, they were, and they had Devout Knights, but you'd forgotten. And what was so crazy about <laughs> yeah, it, and yeah. it worked out still. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got lucky there, but it really didn't slow down the Badgers. It really didn't. Like, they were able to... Friend, uh, Logan, who was piloting the Badgers, did a great job the whole game and was very resilient. They were not afraid to recruit with like three cards and put six more badgers back on the board and it just felt like oh i didn't even do anything
1: yeah their retinue was impressive i wouldn't say it didn't slow them down though sam it definitely slowed them down but no one else was gonna slow them down further
0: yeah it it felt like it was solely up to me in a lot of that and so i was i was i was sweating bullets um in the mid game i had a nice nine point turn to kind of put me up to 22 And this is where the shenanigans began. (laughs) The end of this game was I was very unlucky and then way luckier than I ever deserved. Right. (laughs) So here's what what goes down. Eventually, it gets to my turn and I've got to find eight points. Okay, I've got a three point sway. Badgers are at like 25 at this point
1: or something. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I think
0: that's right. Badgers Mm -hmm. are at 25. Uh, maybe twenty They are the dominant three or twenty four. And it feels like they could probably do it next turn. Oh, I was telling everybody exactly how it was gonna go down. They could. Okay. Yeah. And and there was a lot of talk of like, how are we gonna stop the moles? And I had to pump a lot of breaks of like hold on if you stop me, I can't stop Badgers. They'll just win. So Which like, was like
1: perplexing to me because I was like, Badgers is so much closer to 30 than Moles are, but I know the Moles turn is quicker, but I don't think Moles could have done it right then. So I was shocked that they were all so adamant against you.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, it was hard. I mean, did I have a shot at winning? Yes. And I proved that I did have a shot at winning by taking my shot.
1: Yeah, by You also told them you did.
0: Oh, which is, like, I, crazy! It was so funny. Like everyone's like, "Well, he's gonna craft something." I go, "I have no craftables." And Lily and Garrick are like, "He's telling the truth." Like Sam doesn't lie. <laughs> Sam's
2: honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so like, and I would have lied. I would have said that. Like to save my tournament life, I would have I, lied. It's but so
1: funny, I, Sam, I was at home watching. I go, "Oh, he'll lie." <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't
1: you worry. He'll get you. I would have. You know, as I long am- as it's not a bad
2: lie, <laughs>
1: right? No, no, he won't lie in real life, but he'll lie through his teeth in a game. Uh, but rarely, rarely. Yeah. That's why. He, but you know he is capable of it. I will lie to win, <laughs> definitely. You don't backstab often. Right? No, no petty no, lies. No. No no, no,
0: no, 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 no. So anyway, I didn't have any craftables. That was like my big frustrating thing. Is I was going small mole, and then I had the choice of when I was going to put my building down. I was like, do I put a market or do I put a citadel? And I was really torn between them, but I was like, eventually, I need to find these craftable cards. And so I was like, I'm going uh, with the market, and I never did.
1: But the reason you were debating Citadel 2 is because the badgers were building again, and the birds weren't able to stop them because the birds hadn't turmoiled. And the birds weren't recruiting often enough at that point, right? Right. And so you you knew verbally that you had to like get an army out there to be able to deal with them. So that's why you were considering Citadel, but you went market and so got a card draw, but at the sake of getting less warriors.
0: Yeah. And I, I didn't get what I needed out of the card draw. I did get three points of crafting. That was my big nine point turn was like, I scored with three markets. I swayed for three and I crafted for three points. As Garrick noted, huge mistake, and I could have won the game a lot easier if I had just crafted False Orders, a card we recommend every single episode of this podcast.
1: This one, False Orders is all you ever talk about. I, when we're preparing the <laughs> documents, I'm like, you're going to do False Orders again? You're like, well, it's so good. I'm like, I agree it's good, but we, we, we should just make it a False Orders section of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of yeah I don't know I think like
0: I thought I was getting three points and so I used my three buildings I I don't know totally. Like no,
1: it's it's easy to get that fog brain at that point and you're thinking yeah. of so many things
0: yeah yeah and w- also uh, what didn't help is what it appeared like on stream is that I discarded false orders at the end of my turn because I did but I had another one in you had hand. two
1: of them I, yeah. I I found that out later I was yeah. like he discarded I, it
0: yeah alright so back to this turn <laughs> where I gotta find eight points right I got a sway for three. If I build, I can use my minister for three. So then I've got like one daylight action and I need to find two points. And there was like an undefended way station, but I could only get one warrior there. So it's like, well, if they got an ambush, that's my game. Yeah. And then I was able to, with my other actions, get three warriors to a roost with one bird. So I could have, I could kind of deal with the ambush unless it was, Whatever. Turns out nobody had an ambush. And I thought I was saving the most exciting battle for last. But I rolled. <laughs> I had three moles against a, a an eerie warrior and a roost. And I rolled a 1-1. One, one. <laughs> I just had to YOLO. This was my thing. I couldn't have stopped the badgers. Yeah. Yeah. So I rolled a 1-1. One, one, and Mr. 29 strikes again. That's where I ended my turn. 29 points. Oh, and then it was like all right badgers got it and everybody just kind of kicked back and was like oh good game everybody blah blah the badgers just kind of taking their turn really fast and friend just kind of took it too fast and he uh, did
1: count right
0: he kind of because i kept saying he can recover that tablet for five points Mm mm-hmm and he,
1: was reco- he had a different plan where he was recovering something. He recovered jewelry or something, because yeah. whatever he got was worth a point, but it wasn't worth the column, which is where Badgers right. really kill in those points is they get additional points for scoring one of each of a type of relic. Right. Yeah. And so I think he was one or two points short, unfortunately.
0: Right, he thought that recover was five, and we're like, wait, mm-hmm. no, no, it was just three. Again, this is what happens at the end of the game. Your brain
1: turns to oatmeal.
0: We we talked <laughs> we talked a lot after the thing. We've been uh, uh, private messaging since then. I consider friend a friend at Aww, this point. Yeah. We we really like you know <laughs> he he was really great about it and like for me I'm like I know exactly how you feel mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I also lost my last game just like totally just going too fast, not taking everything in and not doing it. So I I I, I feel very connected to friend. Um so. And then it goes around to me. I mean, there was like a can the Vagabond do it moment. Yeah. Um, the Eerie were turmoiling on Recruit because they went charismatic and did too many cards in, the, oh,
2: in there. Ouch.
0: So and so I just had to score one point. So then I ended up false ordering m- my way to be able to sway. But um, that's how I eked it out. Uh, it was not <laughs> dessert. Like I got so unlucky with the die roll. i mean, not so unlucky, but uh, statistically, I was unlucky. And the fact that no one had the ambushes, like, it was possible. Also, if I just crafted false orders on the previous turn, I could have just taken out a a relic for the two points.
1: But there's so many of those variables that you can't dictate, you know? it's okay. You won. Yeah.
0: And so, yeah, it it was wild. So, deserve it or not, I'm going to round three. You deserve it.
1: You won. (laughs) You got it. There's no, there's, I mean, there's no, there's no asterisks to these wins except for no. when the coalition is involved and it's not here. So we're good. Right. We won it. Well, the the thing
0: was, is for a second, we thought friend won the game. And then Mark, Mark was yes. like, Mark went, wait, no, no, no. You only scored three points for that. Yeah. Like we were all doing congratulations. You were congrats. Yes, you the said GG. We're at, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> marker was at 30 points and we we're all just talking. And then Mark's like, wait, wait, what's this? that that was where luck really got you is where Marco's catching for that. real <laughs> yeah. like talk about me not learning my fucking lesson sorry <laughs> but like come on sam like it, it was really hard because it's like there was a new player i'm working against badgers badgers are tough and stuff and so i'm like i have to be on top of rules like we're all trying
1: to be on top of rules but it was super hard let's get into that right now because that's what okay. it is right it's like I also host this podcast, and I am not nearly the expert as you two are, but I should know this stuff really well, right? And in my game, and I'm not going to dissect all my games, but in my game of round two, I played the Lord of the Hundreds, a faction I never played before, and I got things wrong. Oh, that's what that word means. It was like <laughs> I should know this. I host a podcast about this, yeah. right? But it's because of the pressures of playing the game
0: yeah i i'm curious because it's like it is the pressure but also root has a lot of weird rules like it is a, a complicated game so i think when you put those things together mistakes are gonna happen
1: yeah i think we should that's a good point sam we should start with that little bit of like a warning up front it's like hey forgive yourself this game is complex yeah Not only are there like a a very specific set of rules and timing in the general rules of this game, but then every new faction has its own set of rules that occasionally break the original rules. Mm -hmm. Like that's a lot to keep track of on top of figuring out how to win in that environment. Right. The meta
0: rules like, oh, we can't let so and so do this because of all your game experience, because of the, the media you've taken in about Root. Like all of that is a factor.
2: Yeah, and not to mention just like the, the granular interactions between the individual factions and how they not just relate to the rule book but to each other. Like it's a it's a whole exponential thing.
1: There's the law of root and the unwritten law of root, right? Totally. They're yeah. both extensive.
0: Uh just a quick l- thing in my game. Literally when I'm trying to figure out my eight point turn, uh one of the other players' cats threw up on their carpet. Um <laughs> And that was just like a flavor that I had to deal with In the game was like I'm gonna Battle you but like I want to give you enough time to Clean up cat vomit so like This game has everything
1: What if he was like Dimitri no (laughs) Dimitri Uh, First listener to name their Cat Dimitri McYarn will get a t-shirt Ooh. (laughs) Now we Have to create t-shirts oh it's just a blank T-shirt I don't have Jake's (laughs) t-shirts
2: It's literally it's a Hanes medium white t-shirt It's just the word root a whole bunch of times written in Sharpie that gets smaller and smaller. I love the idea that merch is just our old clothes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like, let's not design any merch. Let's just give people our old clothes.
1: I hope you like Adidas. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. Yeah, because we, you and the three of us, we sit here and we talk about this stuff every week. We talk about it extensively. We write about it. We theorize we repeat things we give people advice and then when it comes down to it we forget basic things (laughs) but that's the pressure of playing the game and it it's the pressure added to playing the game in this environment where not only are you playing against people for stakes but you're playing against people who are potentially as good as you or better because you don't know because they're strangers and there's an active audience with an ability to type their opinions All of these things add to an enormous amount of, like, cognitive (laughs) weight,
2: right? Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. When when the game becomes a performance, that adds elements that are... I'm not going to say, like, stressful exactly. Like, they can feel stressful, but it's just, like, another plate to keep spinning in the air is, like, being attuned to how you're articulating your position at the table talk. Like, how you're rhythmically just taking your turn or like, is there like awkward silence? Like I feel pressure to fill awkward silence at the table, even when I actually just need that time to like be with my thoughts and try and like absorb what's going on. Oh, that's interesting. I had to take my headphones out on my final turn.
0: I was like, hold on. I need a minute. And I took my headphones out and I have, I have my notepad here. I still have it next to the computer of just like, build move there blah 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 like just trying to write it just trying to figure it out because the pressure is intense That's and smart. if you think about yeah. i think Kyle i think when you said it it's also a performance i think like that really gets in my head too of like trying to make it um watchable or just like enjoyable like because i teach so many games and because we play a lot of games with friends those experiences are more important to keep uh, you know like the energy in the air like just make a decision like it doesn't matter you know but in this one it feels like my decisions actually matter so it's like hold on I'm sorry everyone give me four minutes of like stop talking to me I need to
1: crunch some numbers this is amazing because this is a level of like this is an added baggage that I think we bring in that not everybody experiences because the three of us are performers and I think we're hyper aware of the Twitch broadcast element of this. So we're like, there's an audience watching and we're thinking a lot about the audience, not from necessarily always a self-conscious standpoint, although that might be true, but also from an entertainment standpoint, like all three of us are uh, like musicians and actors. So we've been on stage in both those capacities and we know what to do with like trying to hold an audience's attention. And that's what you guys both have mentioned about feeling obligated to take a hold of like, like, You both apologize for taking too long, as if like that should matter in a in a competitive game with that's strategic and requires thinking. But it does in the context of there's people watching.
2: Totally, yeah, and and that like impulse can be at cross purposes with your best decision making at the table. Yeah, I know it's affected my decision making in the past as well. Definitely, (laughs) Um, because sometimes like for me, I get to this point where I'm just like. And I think it works. It's been too long. Like, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. Without actually checking. And, and that can lead to some weird moments where it's just like, wow, if I would have paused, maybe I would have seen the, the continuation where I could have easily won. Or, like, maybe I would have crafted something different or whatever. Like, the, the tough part about Root is there's so many variables and there's so many details to keep organized mm-hmm. all at once. And keep your kind of, like, social engagement active as well. Yeah. It's possible to just miss information. I feel like I'm constantly filtering what's going on on the board, and I sometimes just overlook a really obvious threat or, like, a really obvious move that I could make.
0: Tell me if you guys experienced this, too. If you've watched your tournament game back, and you're like, wait, they had that conversation... (laughs) I literally when you said that Kyle I was like I remember when I was watching the stream I was like they even talked about I don't even remember them talking about that you know and like yeah there are just gonna be things you're gonna miss and hopefully it's not the important ones it's actually it's a facet of
1: being a human right okay so your brain can only take in so much information at once and focus on it that's just a limitation we have it actively in well I should say maybe passively in the background it's filtering out stuff you don't need uh that's what peripheral vision is like i don't know if you noticed but when we look at things we're looking at a very specific point and everything else is assumed by our brain and is drawn in there right um i highly recommend the book incognito the secret lives of the brain it's a great book about neuroscience and about how the brain operates uh in the human skull (laughs) it's by uh david eagleman (laughs) a guy from stanford anyway he talks about how like we only can take in so much information at once so much so that we don't actually see motion do you guys know this? We assume motion. So when you see, a, when you see a ball f- like th- being thrown or like traveling, you're only seeing it when your brain picks up that signal, right? So maybe if you see it when it's 30 feet away from you and then you see it again when it's like 20 feet away from you, you assume the information in between. Your brain is putting that image in your head because it knows what that looks like. That's the only yeah. way from it to get to point A to point B. So your brain draws that instead of you just taking in A and B. You would see it in clips otherwise. Right. What's our frame rate of our right? It's whatever, how many electrical signals your eyes put towards your brain. Well, same goes for gameplay, right? You're going to be taking in loads of information and you have to decide both actively and passively what information to keep. And... Guess what? When you're counting, you know, build points or what to sway or how many crow things are going to flip. You can't be (laughs) worried about what the conversation is happening on the table that doesn't concern you, though it might be very important.
0: Oh, it is. It is another level to play this in a tournament. Yeah. Now, when uh, Kyle and I were first trying to get good at root, we had an IRL foursome Uh, You may have heard us reference Juliana and Josh uh, in the past, but we had like a root league where we played everyone played every faction and the combinations were unique. And we played every map deck combo. So it was like the eight factions at the time. Um, And so it was like this eight game cycle. And we were very competitive with that. And so we got better as a result. Yeah. But I noticed like uh, for my birthday when people all came over and we played those two simultaneous games of Root and Kyle won both of them. Do you guys remember this? Oh, very well. <laughs> Kyle was so we had seven people and we're like, well, we could do a game of four and a game of three. And Kyle's like, no, I'll play in both. <laughs> 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 and he won both of the games, which was so annoying. It was my birthday. It was the worst present he could ever give me. Kyle's Gambit, I think we called it. Yeah, Kyle's Gambit. Anyway, uh, and you wonder why you're targeted. So anyway, um, (laughs) but I remember Juliana making mistakes because she felt the pressure because it was like a return to that competitive environment and wanting to prove like, Oh, now that Sam and Kyle have this podcast, like I want to be good. I want to be competitive and making big blunders, like not noticing that the otters have an ambush for sale that they're going to use,
1: use on her. On her. Yeah. yeah.
2: That was a big one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. It's, it's such a, I feel like the, the spotlight feels so intense When you're piloting a faction versus when you're watching and you can just kind of, like, you have the benefit of that gestalt, like, I can slip into and out of the -hmm. perspective of any one of these players Mm -hmm. or just kind of, like, casually browse, like, what options they have available versus being, like, really in the the hot seat and having to be like, what is the most responsible thing to do Yeah, in this position right now? For (laughs) sure. Is is my assessment accurate? I feel like I torture myself with with this line of thought a lot of times. I'm just like, what information am I missing right now? <laughs> like, I have my idea of how this turn is supposed to go, but like, I just don't feel like I have time to double check everything. So just gotta fire away sometimes. Um, well, the, oh yeah, good. From an observer's perspective, I feel like Root is actually a really wonderful game to watch because. It is like a scrum in rugby. You watch four players pushing against each other and kind of they, like, arc up into the structure of the game. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, I, for me personally, very enjoyable to watch the, it like, forces hit each other and, like, play out in this complex little, like entanglement situation like i love that
1: it's a great spectator sport like i don't like watching board games online right now because i've been making them for the past five years (laughs) so i'm a little (laughs) i'm good uh but i watched a lot more of the tournaments these past couple weeks than i ever have and i've really been enjoying it and for the exact reasons you said is like it's not just two teams it's four factions spiraling upward Mm -hmm. it You guys, hot take.
0: It's the greatest board game of all time.
1: (laughs) It's so good. Have you guys listened to Woodland War Machine?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I want to talk a little bit about like the mindset and the preparation before your game. Because I'm, I'm a huge preparation person when it comes to performance. No matter if it's playing a board game or, you know, doing stuff on stage like it's important that you feel good, you feel confident, you feel relaxed, and you feel focused. I, I have overdone it on the caffeine in the past, trying to feel focused. But in general, I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you, before a tournament game, I think it's important to have a pretty clear schedule. Like fitting a competitive game of Root in like a, a, a tight time slot is a bad feeling to have it's going to fill you with extra anxiety that you do not
1: need let's just put it in the context of like anything like instead let's take it out of a root context when you need to sit down for three hours and really concentrate on something how do you want to set yourself up for success on that you probably want to get a good night's sleep you probably don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about something heavy right before that for a long time
2: yeah definitely try and go in as fresh as possible
1: yeah And you probably honestly need to get away from the screen a little bit because this I know you might want to like read the law of root cover to cover and all that. But it's probably good to go just set your brain on a different track for at least a few minutes before this whole thing starts.
0: Simple tracks. Listen to some music. Go on a walk. Uh, Go on a walk. Taking a
2: walk is is my number one reset before doing any kind of like mentally intense thing. Just take a walk, not thinking about anything to kind of firmly just sort of taking in the the air and the scenery. It's very key what Kyle's saying there,
1: too. Don't listen to a podcast and don't take in a lot of other sensory information. Take in the scenery and let your brain wander. That's a good thing for just like learning new ideas. <laughs> Crafting yeah, creativity.
2: It's, it's the source of creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just sort of like turning that channel in the other direction where you're just sort of like kind of taking in little bits at a time, not like trying to like hone the focus too mm-hmm, hard. Because mm-hmm. the thing with root is if you spend your time before the game trying to crunch something, it's not that it's a finite resource, but it's just like that muscle is going to get tired by the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And so my strategy for preparing for tournament games is to try and go in as fresh as possible. I know that was actually kind of a failing in, in my tournament game it was like I did not go in very fresh. <laughs> like stayed up too late. I was like doing preparation stuff. I was, you know, a lot of screen time. Well, that lends itself to your advice, which is that it didn't work for you. <laughs> like that was part yeah,
1: of your I, well, I didn't right? follow my own advice. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think as performers for the three of us too, we're all kind of surprised at this feeling. I don't know if I speak for both of you, but I was shocked that I was nervous. Why am I nervous? This is uh, <laughs> this is a game. Everyone of fun. in
0: my game was like, "We're all very nervous."
1: Yeah same, same with all of my yeah. games. Everybody mentioned that, and my I also mentioned it. Yeah, but why? It's just a game that has no importance, right? It, there's no, there's no stakes here.
0: Incorrect. It's the greatest board game of all time. <laughs> And we're in a golden age of root. Everything matters.
1: But like, yeah, I mean, I'm be, I'm also being facetious because we've already mentioned there's an audience watching you with a lot of opinions. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are stakes in it in your own head. Right. But yeah. I think that's one of the secrets is that remembering that those stakes are in your head. So it's OK to just let go, breathe a little bit and say, OK, I'm playing the otters today. This is a game. <laughs> and like, let go of some of those stakes. Like the stakes might give you confidence or like. Uh, the energy you need to motivation motivation thank you to win that game but at the same time if they're causing you stress then maybe you can get rid
2: of them
0: yeah it's hard to say here's a little piece of advice that the discord repeated and people often give hey just have fun (laughs) (laughs) and i don't think this is good advice actually this is my hot take you ready sure cole whirly did not design this game to be fun. Yeah. He designed it to be good. And Kyle does this uh well. Where I feel like when t- Kyle's in a tournament game or a competitive game, he's not the same lovable Kyle <laughs> that I've been best friends with for all these years. He's kind of a snotty, like closed off, very focused person. And I kind of have realized that that's a great mindset to try to win the game with like, Hey, don't budge an inch from what you need to win this game. You know, like it's important to be friendly. I'm not saying be a jerk, but like if you're trying to win in, in a tournament, we're we're all trying our best to win. Like Mm -hmm. it's important not to get too chummy. Yeah. And get
1: distracted. I I hear I hear your advice. I think, I think that's pretty all pretty valid. I think, what i'll say about like the have fun element of it that i think that is a more important part of that to take is don't get so wound up that you're over that you're analyzing too much it's not that you need to relax and just like i'm gonna make a crazy play because this is a fun game and i don't care about the outcome you definitely care about the outcome you want to win but If you are trying to look at everybody's move hyper carefully, you're not paying attention to the important information, right? So the have fun part of it is like just loosen up a little bit. And I think we can all speak from experience that when we took a deep breath and relaxed, our thinking got a lot more clear. Doesn't mean we we relaxed and just had fun. It just meant we like took a second and reset. Right, relax and have fun
0: are different. Yeah, and I, yeah. Like, Kyle, I don't, I don't know if you heard my hot take. I think that have fun is bad advice. I think but just
2: have fun, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: like, and I was saying that you do this really well, Kyle. Where like when you get into hyper competitive mode, you're like a little snotty and you're a little like closed off and you don't budge from things that will like. Prevent you from winning the game.
1: The only time in our relationship I've ever been upset with Kyle
2: was in the magic circle. hundred percent. This guy's a creep. Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> No, I just won't let go of a chance to further my game. Yes. I, I think I think that's like really what it what it's about. I I, I talked to some other chess teachers at my school and my organization, and they have this the saying, this kind of like colloquialism, where they just say winning is fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is like I don't know if I like necessarily agree with that formulation precisely, but right. I feel like what's fun for me is playing the strongest move is fun. Like figuring out what that is and then playing it just mm-hmm. feels good in like a a really like satisfying deep way and knowing that it's a good move and that I played it. I'm just like I'm delighted when that happens. It makes me feel great. Yeah. Um so that to me is fun playing a strong move. And then the other thing is like kind of putting the energy out to like fight for a position a little bit, like showing that tenacity is also pretty fun. So, yeah, if you're upset with me in the magic circle, I totally understand because I'm pushing people further than I would in real life.
1: (laughs) I feel like that's also this game, though. Like that's the way to have fun in Root is to make awesome plays and win. That's That's how you have a great time. And be tenacious, and, yeah. Be tenacious. To bump
0: yeah. up against people, like mm-hmm. Jake always mm-hmm. says, it is a game of war, mm-hmm. and so it is cool if you have like an antagonistic relationship with somebody. Now, obviously, especially when you're playing people you don't know, don't be a a jerk, right? Like, right, right, right. This, right. You know, there's obviously a line where this can be crossed and stuff, but I think <laughs> we're talking to people who listen to this pod, who are people who play a lot of root, and people who play a lot of root are really nice, and I'm here to tell you guys. It's okay to kind of, you know, stick out your elbows just a bit yeah. when, when yeah, you when yeah. you when you're trying to win a tournament game.
2: Yeah, that is okay. Um, we are inside the magic circle for yeah. sure. Yeah, as long as you remember to stay in that
1: magic circle. Like, don't put your elbows back down when the magic circle's closed. Be a be a kind human.
0: Because I'll be real, like I have a lot of fun playing Root when it's very casual and like learning about Root and like new content and stuff is like great. And equal to that is like winning a tournament game to me like it it's different i don't it's not fun but it
1: feels really good it's a thrill yeah it's fun it yeah. is fun i think it's fun it's
0: like high stakes the fact that everyone's watching you, you can
1: you can have fun and still take it seriously yeah. yeah yeah i think that might be also part of it too gents is that i think people i think we're taking for granted how easy it is for the three of us to get in and out of the magic circle and so people don't blur that line real well
0: yeah that's true
1: and they get upset about things in the magic circle in real life or they bring real life into the magic circle which uh, honestly was kind of Kyle's issue a little bit because the meta got brought into
2: the magic circle and threw him on tilt right definitely right. happened yeah. to me yeah. yeah i did not succeed at, at blurring the line very well in my game i would say like get in the mindset right more than have fun get get in the mindset like get in the zone get in your zone yeah. be ready to play your game and like be ready to fight for it I feel like there's, there's rituals in sports yeah. that tie into this really well, right? Like a locker room ritual right before a game. Like Just try and put yourself in that spirit, in that zone. That's what's going to set you up. And the result of being in the zone is having fun, mm-hmm. I feel like. Mm-hmm. So don't aim for the result. Aim to get in the zone.
0: My dad was a, an Olympic trialist swimmer, all right? So a very successful swimmer. And so uh, he he gave me this advice about com- competing in general and like trying to get what you want. And it's, you know, it's like the secret or whatever. It's like you have to visualize what it looks like to see your score counter at 30 points just from a mindset point of view. Obviously, just thinking that is very different from
1: you're not going to manifest that reality. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. You yeah. can't. You have to have all the yeah. other skills, but you also have to have that like North Star at all times, of like at the end of this, it is me with my score counter on 30 points. Yeah. Or, or on a dominance card. It, on a dominance card is what I was going to say. <laughs> Speaking of, I, I got some uh, listener stuff here and I got one from AA Ron and I feel like I should read it. I asked uh, th- our listeners, uh, you know, do you have any superstitions? How do you play differently if it's a tournament versus a casual game? And AA Ron says, how I play in a tournament, terribly, but at least I give an entertaining show. <laughs> how I play normally, a sweaty gamer who is pretty good at getting second place and does not play Mount's dominance.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Frankly, in a tournament setting, I all but forgot uh, chat existed, uh, and he didn't care uh, what they thought of him. His mindset was just, how do I win and nothing else? And mm. I, and I think that's good. I, I'm not able to shut out the future of chat. Like, part of my joy of playing the tournament game is, like, I can't wait to watch it back and see what Garrick said and see what the chat said about specific moves, you know? Because there's, like, those moments where it's like, oh, when I went and took the two way stations and the Relic, I'm like... And I forgot about the thing. So yeah. I think that people were like, ooh, interesting, good move. But when I say out loud, whoops, I forgot about that. It's going to color that move very differently. Yes. You
1: know?
2: Yes.
0: But I'm impressed that A.A. can do that. And I love that aaron Ron was, is willing to go mouse dominance in a tournament game and less willing to in a casual game.
2: Yeah. is Is willing to go to like a pretty risky extreme place to go for that victory instead of a guaranteed second place.
1: Right. As I told Aaron, when this happened, I think that was a really good play. Like they it had, it was a, really good. He had a good, good shot really. at mouse dominance at that. Like one of the best, I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. That was one of the best goes at it. I'd seen in a game yet. Yeah, it was cat and he had four of the clearings and he had them really dense with warriors, but they made a risk
2: completely necessary yes I yes and i thought it was the strongest play he also did it like when he as soon as he hit 10 points or something like that it was crazy. beautiful to watch yeah and i feel like that is somebody who's just like in the zone and is like you know what this is where this mm-hmm. game is taking mm-hmm. me and i'm ready to meet the game exactly where it is and play the strongest move i don't even know if i could have done that <laughs> it takes so much bravery to a- do that. Ron and like
0: Walrus Law, like their plays in the tournament have genuinely inspired me of like oh wow, I don't know if I could have done that. I think I'm a lot I Jake, you kind of mentioned like what do we kind of theory craft on the podcast, but I don't think we do a lot. I think we report a lot from personal experience because we play a lot of Root and talk about Root with a lot of people I'm not very good at like oh, you know what would be cool if you did this with that? Like what are you I talking
1: about? Yes, you both are good at that.
0: I I am better at, in the moment, seeing like, oh, this could be like this. Like, I could I could go this way. But, like, when I'm not playing the game, I'm not, like, theory crafting, like, new strategies. And I know that there are a lot of very smart people in our community that do do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know Germ Curry, Fugless, uh Winesy... Uh, these, the, a lot of the people that I, you know, we play tested the Root Marauder expansion with, whoops, did I say that? Um, like they, <laughs> they're very good at seeing these broken combos way ahead of time, where I'm like, I'm more of like, oh, I'll do what people say is good and discover things in the moment. I'm inspired by these players that can, that are, that are theorizing and seeing that are more on the forefront yeah. of Root strategy than I am. I'm more of like, uh, an executor, you know? <laughs> like I, I can see the I'm a good read of the game state sure. for sure. Once I understand when things are going on, but um I'm and I'm good socially, but I'm not the 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 genius that's theorizing the new strategy.
1: All right. This has been a great therapy session so far for the three of us. Now, yep. how do we what what advice do we have for people to like put on and maybe for each other or ourselves? Just have fun <laughs> uh, approaching competitive route. Um, Just approaching any of the many multitude of issues we talked about. This isn't this isn't all one thing, right? It's that we get in our head for whatever reason we do. And how do we get it so we can put ourselves in the condition to play the best game possible?
0: I mean, I think part of it is like you have to breathe, eat and drink root so that it's in your body. It's in your brain. You don't have to reach for rules you have to know it very close, but you Mm -hmm. don't want to study
1: right before the game. Right. So what your advice is, is like make, make a lot of root instinctual. So you aren't worrying about rule because you know, when you even glance at the board, you can calculate rule. Right. I mean, I'm talking about rules, I, but i like talk about rule as an example of rules. So like uh, or whatever okay. that is, right? <laughs> Confusing example. I know. Fair enough. But what I'm saying is, is like, or, you know, how much, how many points it's going to take to win from 24 or, well, you know, it's six. What am I? <laughs> where you can glance at a, uh, a map and see the suits and you know what you have in your hand and where you can go. You want to make that yeah. instinctual. So you're not having to waste that brain power. Cause when we we're talking about cognition and like, how much cognitive load your brain can take you want a lot of that stuff be- to become background information that you don't have to actively think about right yeah <sighs> yeah i guess that's what that i mean that's helpful i think that's that is that's one of the hardest ones to do because you just told people that their advice is go l- eat breathe and sleep root which is mm-hmm. not an easy thing to do but i think your advice is sound which is that make part of root instinctual make it so where you don't have to like think hard about what could be in the deck you know how many ambushes there are and not because you've been actively counting them because you've been seeing them and you've been kind of checking them off in the background Mm -hmm. another good book i'll recommend is thinking fast and slow by daniel kahneman it's way too heavy of a book to digress into right now but it splits the the brain into two systems of thought system one and system two system one It's very simple and it's instinctual. It's when I raise my hand up, I don't have to think about it. My hand just goes up because the muscles know to respond to that brain signal. If you ask me what two plus two is, I'll say four. Not because I added two and then added another two, but because I know to respond that way. But if you ask me what 53 times 67 is, I can't come up with that answer because I'm going to have to go into system two, retrieve other information and start putting that, that information together and processing that. You want to make as much of root system one as possible. Keep system right. two to the hard stuff and limit that cognitive load as much as possible.
0: Right. Like how your faction works, the cards in the deck. Like you don't want to be surprised by these things. Right. Uh, you don't want. To <laughs> Here's another piece of advice. You don't want to play a faction for the first time yeah. in a tournament game. Yeah, man, you d- you don't want to do it,
1: Jake. It's so punishing. <laughs>
0: And you don't want to have to pay attention to things that are, like, your
1: faction. Your basic movement choices. (laughs) That's what's the punishing thing. It's like, you don't want to have to be thinking about that. You want that to be the background. You want to know what command gives you. You want to know what advance gives you so you can focus on getting those items to increase those to a certain level where it's appropriate.
2: Yeah, and if you want to get, like, really next level about it, once you have enough of root in your kind of instinctual system one area... Then, when you look at other people's positions through the lens of their faction, you don't have to process the nitty-gritty of their faction anymore. Like you just know what they're capable of. Like you know what suits the lizards are threatening. You know what is in range of the birds this turn. Like you can just take a look at it, uh, take a glance at it and understand that kind of thing. And, and that is it just comes from this this experience of playing the game enough times. But also having that in mind, too, just like I want to be able to have a facility like an ease with each of these factions to the point where I can briefly assess what's going on elsewhere <laughs> with the other factions mm-hmm. and, and be able to understand how my turn can fit in with that.
0: And, you know, rules for tournaments might be different, but in the current winter tournament, which is the king of tournaments, the rules are self policed unless you call Garrick. So having a facility over the rules of the game is not only huge for like you having uh, an advantage for knowing what you can do, but also making sure that other players aren't accidentally cheating, which we said there's too much going on in this game. There's cognitive overload. So you might accidentally cheat, you know, (laughs) apart from making a bad move, you might make an illegal move. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. and if you one of the best things you can do for your tournament chances is making sure your opponents aren't cheating on accident. Yeah. It's not like a bad thing. It's just like that happens and it's important to call it out when you see it.
1: I referenced it when commentating on this game, but Kyle's game in particular had four players who knew the rules real well. And mm-hmm. I said, I think Garrick, this is going to be your first game where no rules mistakes are made or when there are rules mistakes were made, they will catch it. And I'm fairly positive you caught them all and all of you at least made one. Which is which yeah. is saying something, because all four of you are hyper, yeah. uh, hyper good rules people. I had never met Bigfoot before, but he knew what he was doing. And so yeah. like between the four of you, there was there was really no issue. And a few things got by. But by a turn or two after someone was like, hey, wait a second. And you guys all agreed on it and caught it. That's a lot to say for
2: you four to still get that wrong, much less anyone else who plays this game even less than you. Right. True. It's it's a heavy load for sure to be responsible for everybody else's rules. And I, and I think that like in some future fancy tournament when we can have an arbiter like on hand ready to go, that will make it a little easier to just focus on your own situation the whole time. Mm-hmm. But the the tournament is what it is. <laughs> and right. you know, it we, we, you definitely get an advantage from being very familiar with everything.
0: Well, uh, uh, Garrick said that it was kind of inspired by Magic the Gathering tournaments, which are also the same way, which is like self-regulated rules until it's like, wait, judge. And then a judge comes over and Garrick is the judge of the winter tournament.
2: There's a there's an anecdote from chess in this world as well. In scholastic tournaments, there's always a, a couple of players who are uh, who mess up the touch rule, Ugh. Uh, the touch move rule. And so, yeah, the rule is like whatever piece you touch, as long as you can make a legal move with it, you have to move that piece once you've touched it. And there's a couple other layers to that rule as well. I have the rules of chess. It's over 300 pages. You would think that there's only like 14 rules, but there's actually 300. Pages.
0: I would just <laughs> picture like eight diagrams is all you need. But... <laughs> yeah, right.
2: <laughs> it's 300
1: pages.
0: <laughs> it is 300 pages. Yeah. How many pages are on
2: castling? Cause that's the only like rule I can think of a fair amount. Do you touch the King first or the Rook first? There's actually two entries about castling that are conflicting about whether, about which piece you're supposed to touch first. Yeah.
1: But once you've got 75 pages, what makes you say, you know what? 225
2: more. <laughs> oh, there's a whole bunch of stuff about the clocks. Like it's not even about right. chess anymore at that right, point. Right. It's literally about like clock physics. Oh, for sure, a good Like sure. 15 pages. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> it's insane. I want to be a tournament arbiter one day for chess just because I like, now I have all this stuff in my brain and I need to do something with it. <laughs> but so, so kids mess up the, the touch move rule like pretty frequently. Yeah. Um, but we, we have this one chess teacher who, <laughs> who has a great, uh, lesson about this and he, he gives this example where he's like, so if your opponent touches a piece and then takes their hand away and then moves a different piece, what do you do? And someone will raise their hand and be like, "I call the tournament director over, and I have a move it back, and then we like restart." And he's like, "No, no, no! What you do is you look at the move and see if it was good or bad for you. If it's good for you, and if they made a mistake, just keep playing." Oh, I uh, love and that. And I feel like that that mindset is a delightful to me. It's like inside the magic circle so much.
0: Yeah. I, I, there was a couple moments in my tournament game I felt that where I was like, there was like choices of like, is the vagabond going to go hostile with me or are they going to aid me? And they ended up like aiding me. And I'm just like, I'm not saying anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or should you? Right. Like, yeah. And it, and it, I think that's a good point. Um, I don't know though, but that
1: was a that wasn't a rules mistake. That was an optimization choice. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. You're right. It is different. It's yeah, different. I think with rules mistakes, especially when we're, man, with rules mistakes, when especially when we're in charge of arbitrating those rules until you know someone calls Garrick in, that's a tough one because. Yeah, I think the three of us feel also feel a meta it. responsibility to try and be as honest as possible about playing this game. Right. Totally. And I think I the three of us would never want right to win way. illegitimately. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, what a hollow feeling. That right, is, right. Right.
1: And uh, exactly. So I think there's a little bit of a good sportsmanship mentality that we yeah. want to carry into this as well. But I do love, I still do love the attitude of the ruthlessness of that chess rule, which just, or not chess rule, chess mentality, which is like, well, was it good?
2: <laughs> then maybe we'll yeah. it. Yeah. take a look at yeah. it first
1: you know see if <laughs> the touch rule is brutal yeah it
0: is intense to me yeah. i'm like i mean <laughs> i literally in my in my last turn i went hey guys i'm gonna start moving pieces around so i can see things <laughs> but i'm not gonna initiate any battles or anything for a second you know and i just started moving my pieces around just to make sure i could do it you know um and in chess i would have I would have been thrown in chess jail.
2: <laughs> for that. Oh, we were taking you away for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah. Is there any other like big differences, Kyle, you think? Cuz like you you you've got to pull some the competitive chess scene. At least uh, the scholastic competitive chess scene. Uh, are there any other things that you feel like are like, I don't know, uh, commonalities or things we can take from that competitive chess scene and bring it into root?
2: So many commonalities, just the ability to do things automatically, put it in system one, Mm -hmm. huge advantage in chess Mm -hmm. to just know the patterns and not have to think about it, the openings and all that, as opposed to like having to really crunch through like every single move. It it makes a big difference on when you get to the end of a game, like how fresh you're still able to be. And in some ways at higher levels, like it is about wearing down your opponent's ability to calculate
1: <laughs> which is awesome oh my gosh that's another crazy meta level of chess we were talking about the championships this year where magnuson's strategy part of it is to simply play a stupid long game of chess
2: yeah the the longest uh world championship game ever played and converting the tiniest advantage into a victory that's insane like, insane but worked i i'm so inspired by players who have that fortitude and and just tenacity, like this is my word today, tenacity, like be be ready to go for it. The thing about chess that I'm translating over to root in a really big way right now is being able to, with great clarity, understand a threat, but not get too fixated on it. This is what I'm, this is like where I'm at in chess world. Mm-hmm. I keep running into this thing where I'm like, I I see what... My opponent's idea is, and then I can't pivot away from that, or I can't like zoom out once I've like grabbed onto it. So then I just play against that idea and I lose to something else later on. <laughs> so, like, I, I would say that the, the lesson in it this definitely works in root as well because it's improved my root play after realizing that this is my like habit with this. It's like, don't get fixated on one threat or like one faction. And I see this pop up in tournament games all the time, actually, where someone is like, oh, no, like this faction is going to run away with mm-hmm. it. And they kind of lose sight of the rest of what's going on mm-hmm. at the board. Mm-hmm. And like there is another threat that's popping up, but it's just not acknowledged and it doesn't show up in the table talk. And so people lose track of it.
0: It is so scary because sometimes you have to put your faith in strangers to also recognize these things and make this like mature game move where it's like, look, I know that I look like I'm this, but this person is also in an equal position. So you yeah. can't just focus on me because what you're doing is handing it to them. You have to take care of both of us or have take care of me a little bit and I'll take care of them. But like, let's talk about it. Let's not just assume one threat.
2: Yeah, exactly. And trying to like defeat that myopia, that instinct towards tunnel vision that it's like a little bit of like brain jujitsu that I'm still working on myself, but I find that it's the same energy of like taking a walk and just like absorbing, um, but just breathing and,
1: (laughs) but you can't take a walk in the middle of the game. You can't just slip into the forest and breathe. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: Garrick says before every game, he says like breathe. And I had had, Mm -hmm. um, in Oregon, and now they're in oh, no. uh, Florida and uh, Georgia. Of course they're in Florida. This company called Viso, uh, they make it a, a vitamin drink that has 300 milligrams of caffeine, okay? It's equivalent to, like, six cups of coffee, okay? <laughs> it's it's wild. No, it is An unhealthy amount. <laughs> it is such a good ride, but guys... It's a little much to do before your root tournament game. And like to Garrick's br- like breathe. I'm like
2: <laughs> you know.
0: And and also uh as chat pointed out, the I love to sigh I guess <laughs> when I'm playing <laughs> when bad things happen to me I love you to You like,
1: are yeah. oh. You're you're, yeah. a, you're a theatrical person. Sam. Yeah, I'm a vocal in the same way that person. Nitro Rev like narrates his decision right. making. You uh, narrate emotion. your disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I I do express
0: the emotion of how I'm going. But over. as
1: you should, that's your theatrical nature, and that's also you saying, "Look, everybody, I'm a victim," and trying to lower heat off of you. I think that's valid, yeah, and I yeah. don't
0: think I do it deceptively. No, not really. I think it's part I, of the- When I'm in despair, it's true like yeah it doesn't mean it's over
2: attention to i have this emote over on my twitch channel which is just sam like with both (laughs) hands on his face like dragging his cheeks down and looking up and in utter despair it's wonderful
0: yeah and in that situation i was not close to winning that game so that one was (laughs) real real (laughs) oh we've all been there
1: i think i think kyle with your fixation issue i think there's something to remember about ruth that we sometimes forget is like Almost all these problems are solvable when factions work together. Not all of them. But, but almost all of them. And so if you can get Jake, we banned coalition. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but like, it's not chess in that way, right? There's two right. other people against you and your, your thing you're fixated on. So there are options and that's where table talk is so important. That's why like aggressive table talk and by aggressive, I mean, I guess assertive, assertive table talk yep. is going to be important could,
0: because the thing is you don't have to lie in root. There is enough information yes. to make a valid argument unless you're like, At 28 points, you know what I mean? Like, unless it's like a surefire thing, then it's like, you got to say what you got to say. So what
1: do you, okay, but let's, what do you do then? Because let's say it's a surefire thing. Let's say you're two points away from winning. All the heat is on you, but you know that if they take you down, Blank is going to win because they're at 25 and they could probably do it. So what do you do?
0: I try to split Mm -hmm. the attention. Like Mm -hmm. you have to fracture the coalition. Yeah. And you have to meet the table where they're at you're gonna hit me you gotta hit me right i'm gonna agree however you gotta hit them if the the tricky thing is like you gotta be like who can actually win on their next turn right because you want to advertise everybody gets another turn that's what you want and you either have an ace up your sleeve to win anyway or you're the first on that next turn Mm -hmm. where everyone gets you know
1: yeah that's exactly yeah that's it is like you have to you have to make sure that they stop you, honestly, because they're only going, they are going to stop you, but they have to do it in a way that doesn't let them win.
0: <laughs> right. Well, I mean, if somebody can stop you and win themselves, there's pretty much nothing you can say. But
1: you But you have to say that. You have to point that out so someone knows. And maybe they've got an ace that you didn't see. That's the what you have to say, right?
0: What you're hoping is player A is going to win after you. Mm-hmm. And you're talking to players B and C. Yes, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if player A can stop you and then win, then it's like, it's over. They've won, you know? There's nothing you can say that's going to mean that they're not going to stop you from winning and they're going to win.
2: A good reference here is like a game, actually game one of the winter tournament where it's just like, this player has to stop me. That's what they have to do in their turn. It's up to you to stop them so they don't win on their next turn. Oh, my God. Game one. It's Fantastic. wild
0: that that was the first game of this tournament, because it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, that was it's a crazy top five game. easy. Yeah, it was. I mean, if not, I feel like it's second to Walrus's Laws first game or second game. That's, Iconic. That's the only one that feels like maybe it's above game one
2: multiple iconic games in this tournament so far actually it's because there's a real threat of a dominance win and that's what makes
0: a game truly exciting for me to watch <laughs> at this point like something that i've it's never that next gear
2: of yeah. like we have to work together but oh. i've loved oh. most
1: of the attempts because most of the attempts have been yeah. very earnest they haven't been there like was a, a comical a you other know? ones yeah yeah aaron had a good one the first game had a great one with the lizards yeah those are two highlights
2: um not to not to jag us too far away but I i do want to say that my other import from chess world yeah. that is helping me with root is um, taking notes. Yeah. Um, in chess you write down every move that you make and that your opponent makes. It just helps to take a beat between everything that happens. And for all the root games i played in the Witcher Tournament, I just keep a list of, if people are revealing cards, just have a list. Oh! That's, ooh, that's clever. Um, if I have a, a notion of like where somebody's aiming for on the map, just write it down. That way you don't have to hold on to that information all at once and at the same time. Sam, you're showing me your notebook over Zoom, right? Yeah, it's the, impossible the to read. Hard to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, and I wrote down everybody's name. That's the first thing I do. Write down everybody's name and what mm-hmm. faction they're playing and the turn order, and then any information that I need to do, I just jot down. And then along the margins is just like what my plans are for my next turn, you know.
1: You guys, I'm so glad you take notes. I did not take notes, and now you've inspired me to. I'm gonna take more notes. Yeah, love this.
0: It's only when things get crunchy. No,
1: I think it's great, yeah. and I uh, even if things aren't crunchy, do on every they move, might get but... crunchy, and so having those notes yeah. ready, that's great. That's a that's that's the best advice I'm taking from this. I'm gonna definitely take notes. I love that.
0: Yeah, we recommended yeah. it in the Getting Good episode very early. I didn't listen on, to but...
1: that episode. I'll have to try that. I <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you're not good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to end the episode right there No outro music No root 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 It just ends right there And then we don't
2: publish episodes for a year <laughs> Jake goes to live on a mountain top every day studying I mean the joke
0: is that Jake always fucking wins. <laughs> I was just gonna when say yeah all the three of us you Jake. two are moving on to the <laughs> that's though, true. Yeah, that's fine.
1: I think what I maybe want to add at the very end here is like that adrenaline stuff that uh, Sam mentioned at the beginning like taking too much caffeine is one thing too but like caffeine is is ideally meant to help you focus what it really does is it like eliminates the tired feeling you will ever experience I guess, to the best of your ability, use the energy you've got at the time you've got it. Um, as an actor, I find um, when myself or fellow performers are nervous before we go on stage, that tends to result in the best performances because we have a lot of adrenaline. And so if you're nervous before a game, use that energy to do something productive, whether that's go outside and take a walk or maybe it is go read the rules of root and get yourself like your system one ready for remembering those things. But once you're going to come down from that energy and you're going to want to be in a place where you're not taking in too much information and you want things to be simple for you. So be ready for those ups and downs. Even the natural ones that don't come from caffeine, they'll just, they'll happen from the adrenaline of a game.
0: Yeah. I, I I just want to, you just want to be clear headed. Definitely. You know, whatever you got to do to get in your zone to be like, all right, I'm here to absorb a bunch of information. Uh, play nice with everybody but making sure that i'm not conceding an inch of what i need to do to win the game
1: if you feel yourself getting tilted too, uh start breathing through your nose a little bit and just relax (laughs) tilting is never going to be good for you that's that's an adrenaline that is you're not in control of it so don't ever consider it a good thing uh because it's going to interfere with a rational thought
0: yeah, I think yeah, vocalizing your emotion makes sense, but yeah, there's there's an upper limit to that.
2: Yeah, it's just about coming home to mm-hmm. your kind of centered, grounded self. That's the advice that I wish I could have given myself at the beginning of that game when I was feeling like so tilted. It's just like, don't rush. Let let the key of the emotion kind of subside for a second. Come back to that like centered place. And tr- make a better decision from there instead of just firing from the hip. Again, always hard to remember that when you're in the moment. But that's, all, that's the other thing.
1: Is like we're going to give all this advice just like we've given all the advice that we have on this podcast. And then we're going to forget it when it comes time to play.
2: <laughs> Here's the thing. Sometimes having a little mantra like that helps me to like do it if I'm in the moment too. Like it might be a little uncomfortable to have some silence or like make people wait for a second. But yeah. If it means that you can come home and make a more responsible decision like that's worth it
0: yeah chat don't worry about what chat's thinking about how long you're taking on your turn they are not thinking about that they're just thinking about the moves you end up making and not that they're there you're there to please them but like i promise you don't get fixated on like performing being in the
2: tournament just take
0: all the time you need to make the moves you need the games aren't timed you're fine
2: it's true. Lord of the Board has a nice quote about this that uh, was posted in uh, the um, Woodland War Machine channel on the Good Time Society Discord. Nailed it. Uh, <laughs> so here's what Lord of the Board says. I've learned to live with the fact that in route there will always be the person that says you should have done a particular move different or more efficiently. At the end of the day, as long as I had fun and did my best, I'm happy with myself. There is never a 100% win rate. In root, because the game isn't fair. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> it's not fair. That's why it's wonderful. Also, it's played into, at times, being the lord of the board. This is kind of like going towards what we had mentioned up at the top there. Yeah. Uh, I get some extra critics, he says. Mm-hmm. Or more, explain why you did that move. Mm-hmm. All in all, I just try to envelop myself fully with the others at the table with me. Lord of the board,
1: yeah. if someone ever uh demands you explain your move, uh I would recommend saying, No. <laughs> Or you yeah. can find my YouTube channel <laughs> yeah, where I explained all of this before, you know. Yeah, oh my God. gosh! Or absolutely. they should listen to the Woodland War Machine podcast. That's right. You too can plug <laughs> <Okay>. our podcast. <laughs>
2: uh, but shout out to Lord of the Board. Um, yep. I think that's a very, uh, that's just like a, a very, yeah. like wonderful way of of seeing the game and, and your and your role in we it. We got to play a
1: game with that guy um, again. We've we had an Oath Chronicle going with him, and I miss it so great
2: it did
0: have a nice like full circle thing where i started as chancellor and then never was chancellor until the last game we played oh so i became chancellor again so it's a great restart point from my perspective yeah weren't
2: you like a long lost heir to become the chancellor Uh, you
0: you were my long lost heir
2: Oh, Uh, that! So the very first game,
1: Kyle was Sam's long lost heir, and then the most recent game, I had been—I was on a winning streak. I think of like three games, and then it turned out Sam was my long lost heir.
2: Well, it was—I am the (laughs) chancellor. I deserve it. Oh, sorry. Yes, he is the chancellor. He
1: deserves it. That's what I meant to say.
2: Jake's trying to become a citizen right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm already table talking for our next game right now. <laughs> oh my god. I've, I miss Oath. Oath is so good. Just a shout out to everybody who's posted their wisdom on our Discord page. It's just so so encouraging to read people's accounts of their experience in tournament games. To know that there's that solidarity of like... We've experienced the pressure. And sometimes it is overwhelming. But we're all going to make it through. And um, yeah. If, if If you are at all curious about playing root at a higher level and what a community of people who are extremely skilled and supportive come hang out on our discord. You're going to find just like the most wonderful people to improve your game and, um, you know, be on the good path and play you. games with you. Yeah. We're organizing we're yeah. games here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And
0: like the coolest people, have lost their games of roof I mean, truthfully, <laughs> that's true. the Cool Kids Club is the people who aren't yeah. playing anymore. Yeah. You know.
2: Uh, we should have a Losers Club playoff. Couple of Kyle, <laughs> <rounds. Well, laughs> I think
0: I think you should literally tonight. You should start the the secret Discord channel that's only for people who have lost their turn. Oh, who are eliminated from the tournament. that's good. That's it's fantastic. It's invite idea. only.
1: The Cool it's Kids Losers only. Club. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: you fantastic. don't get to go. You don't get to hang out in the channel unless you've been eliminated <laughs> from the tournament. i truly think you should start that tonight
2: our numbers are growing all the time (laughs) yeah
0: i mean you and aaron gotta head this up because aaron is like the person who lost with the coolest way you could lose it's true yeah
2: yeah Won the people's hearts lost the game yeah exactly yeah
0: (laughs) um that's fantastic that's a great idea And if you want Uh, to join these silly channels we keep making, please join the Woodland War Machine channel on the Good Time Society Discord. You can also become a patron where you can support us and all the other great shows we have here on Good Time Society, including, uh, Jake, you have a podcast about
1: Riverdale? Yes. It's called The Last Podcast That Archie Ever Saw. (laughs) A visual podcast. A visual podcast. Yeah, we describe (laughs) comics. You'll love it. <laughs> and uh, one person always dies every episode.
2: Oh, wow. that's fun. Mm-hmm. A kind of dwindling party podcast. I love that. Yeah.
1: We really reset the energy for this outro by pitching a podcast <laughs> that doesn't exist.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, we were
1: plugging all real stuff, then suddenly it's this. Yeah uh and uh try and find if you can go ahead and enter a tournament and lose so you can join the cool kids club discord channel also in good time society and the first message you might see there you should repeat and it goes a little something like this
2: lose lose that lose that lose that lose that root, lose that root.
0: All right, so this is just uh, some lonely Sam moments. Jake, you could put this at the end of the episode, but I just want to say that to all the people who have been eliminated uh, in the tournament so far, it has nothing to do with your skill level. Things just happen, and this game is cruel, and it's hard to win because there's, like we just said, there's four factions, and so your odds at the best are about 25%. Oh, I should also be preparing root pretty...